Hello world! It's Thursday, the best day for Hello World live on Learn TV. Hi, Frank. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. The sun is shining. Couldn't be happier. Is it? Oh yeah, it is. It is. It is. But, <laughs> hey, first of all, I have to say they changed the Azure logo on us. So I guess I'll get a brand new hoodie. But <laughs> we won't talk about that. I heard you have some really good news for us today. Yeah, there's one news I'm very excited about. Uh, is the uh, static web app, Azure Static Web App, look, S-W-A, SWA. <laughs> we like acronyms, right? Uh, just hit GA, Global Availability. So, uh, and, and it's really nice. And I want to spend a bit more time, if, if you let me, to explain why this tool is very useful. Oh, absolutely. I saw so much news about it. I want to hear about it. What is SWA and what's new in the general availability release? Okay. So I have notes because I don't want to forget anything. So, <laughs> well, you know, everything is time here. So static web app, like when we think about cloud, a lot of time we think about scalable and like be able to scale, have more resources. So like the clients, the user of our resources have the best experience, but sometimes mm -hmm content don't refresh that much. Maybe it's a blog post or maybe like it's just some announcements. So static web app then could be perfect. We say static, but you know, with JavaScript framework today or even like Blazor and C Sharp, you, you still have dynamics in your static web app. And that's all coming from, it support multiple languages uh, and it, it has an automatic pipeline, so CI, CD process to deploy directly from GitHub or Azure DevOps. It support a bunch of framework in JavaScript. I won't mention any because I don't want to get in trouble if I forget one, but many. There's I will, I will say, I, I was so happy they had Hugo on there, yay. <laughs> There's Blazor with WebAssembly available over there. So uh -huh. I really like that. I'm a C-sharp developer, so I really like that. So you could use that. Uh, there's a um, custom routing, custom domain. You have uh, authentication, so some security setup over there. Uh, dom custom domain, yes, I mentioned. Like tons of stuff. So And wow. we have learning path and quick start to get started with that. So I put all that in the show notes. There's a lot of information to get started. A, a really exciting news today. Very nice. I have to check that out because I really think that they've integrated it well. So also like the whole CI/CD process for it. It's a snap. So super cool. Well, I had one thing I wanted to talk about. You know, we keep hearing all these cybersecurity issues going on right now. So I was super excited about this because Mark Rusinovich had tweeted this link. Mm -hmm. it turns out that they just launched this podcast. It's called a Security Unlocked. It's from Brett Arsenal, who's our C chief information officer. And the very first episode is called Securing the Cloud with Mark Rusinovich. It's going to be a podcast where they talk to industry leaders on what the best cybersecurity practices are. And I think this is a great time for us to think about it, not only because it's on the rise, cyber crimes and things like that, but because when you're remote working, um, a lot more of us have to think about how we protect our information as workers in remote homes as well. So this is super cool. So. Very what interesting. I will, I will definitely add that to my uh, podcast list and watch that. Yeah. Though we have a big, big show full of information. Uh, so when you're watching, if you're watching it live, feel free to ask questions in the chat over there. We have like, we'll monitoring that and we'll spend time answering questions at the end or like passing your question to the expert. Uh, we'll also have, of course, the ABC in our game. 
We'll have some Visual Studio tips and tricks. I'm wearing a special T-shirt today just for that. We have the certification all up. And we have, of course, where we'll start with Isaac, because just like in the static web app where you could use or leverage Azure function, Isaac will show us some Azure tips and tricks with the Azure function and some bindings. Am I right? Hey, Frank. How's it going? Hello. That's right. Yeah, Ooh, no, Isaac Levin here. I'm outside of Azure HQ, and I got a super hot tip for you. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all ears. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about Azure Function Custom Bindings. So being able to take full advantage of some of the things that we're doing with Azure Functions um, that aren't included with kind of the default things. So let's roll the video. So Azure Function Custom Bindings, they help you communicate with services without writing the plumbing to connect to them. And if you need a binding that doesn't come out of the box, you can custom create one. So I've already created one in this class library, and the code is available here on this GitHub repository. So check that out. So the first thing you should do is you create a .NET standard class library, which you can then use in your Azure function. So let's go through this code and see how you can create it. So this is the binding itself, and it's able to read the contents from a file. So it's a class that has an extension attribute on it, and that implements the iExtensionConf provider interface. Because of this, it has the initialized methods, which are used to add binding rules for the myFileReader binding attribute. So this bind input values are defined in the Azure function uh, to the binding itself. So there's the rule there. So and one thing to call it really important too is that there's a couple of pieces that you need to build, right? So this is the attribute. So the attribute has been tagged as a binding and has one property, which is the location. And this will contain the location of the files to read. So something like C temp. This is the outer resolve attribute, which means it'll try and fill the location parameter with a value from the configuration system, like we store in local.settings.json. So that's the attributes, and this is the file reader model that we're gonna show. Let me hop over to the file read model really quick. So the file read model, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, so this allows you to take full advantage of those different things there, so file path and so forth, right? And then, so you add the rule there, and then you actually specify this build item from attribute, right? So this contains the location, the modifier, and that's the custom binding to make it work. So there's the plumbing for the class itself. So it still references everything here. You read that file from text, as I'm highlighting there. And this basically is showcasing, it builds that reader model that we showcased earlier. And that's what's going to, the function is going to return the contents of that file, right? So the, the final thing that you need to do to wire all this up to initialize custom bindings is take advantage of the built-in assembly of WebJob startup that exists with Azure Functions. So I'm going to show you this extension too. And all what this extension does is it wires up that startup that we talked about a little bit earlier and makes your function work with this new custom binding. And this is the function itself. Uh, so I mentioned a little bit earlier that um, it's going to use an HTTP trigger. So I can just call it from a browser and it has a route defined to it to take some name parameter, which is the name of the file that we want to read, right? So it also has a myFileReader reader binding, which we use here as the input parameter of the location. And then from there, um, it's just going to read that file and it's going to output the results in that action result format that we see here, right? So at the end of the day, um, when we go into our local settings here, I can specify the file path and that's um, in this particular example, ctest. We're going to show what that actually looks like in a second. So this is my uh, file directory. I have document A and document B. Um, so when I run my function, let me just click F5 here and run. It's going to spin up 
um, a debugging experience for Azure Functions. So I can go in and, and click and type in the URL of my function, so uh, the and then provide the name of the file that I want to load. So let's just do document a.txt first, and then it's going to return to the browser the contents of document A. And I can do the same thing with document B, and it's just going to work, right? So super, super cool. So uh, custom bindings for Azure Functions are really useful because they allow you to make Azure Functions work. So, and there you have it, right? I think one of the things that's really, really important, uh, and there you have it, one of the things that's really, really important to call out is that uh, Azure Functions, like you mentioned with static web apps, um, that they give you the ability to run these little small pieces of code in a way that's really, really consumable and really usable. Really interesting. And like your example, we're in C Sharp, but those bindings yeah. are also available in other languages? That's correct, yeah. So you you author the, the actual bindings themselves in C Sharp, but then you can use them from any Azure function that we've written in any other language. So really, really extensible. Oh, very cool. And where we can all find those tips and tricks? Yeah, we can find all. So thank you for bringing up, right, the show notes. So this tip as well as all of our other tips are available in the show notes, ak.ms slash hello world. And I, all again, Nitya and Frank, thanks for having me. Thank you a lot. What do you think about that, Nitya? Do you know about all those tips of uh, binding customers? Uh, no. So first of all, thank you for having a, like, I'm, I just moved to a new place, I can see. But uh, no, this is actually, and you asked a great question, because I'm not a C-sharp person, um, JavaScript and Java. So I'm like, oh, I need to go check this out. Super cool. But mm -hmm. Going from tips and tip, tip, tricks to Thomas on Thursdays, my favorite segment, it's certifications all up. Hi, Thomas, are you there? Hello, Nitya. Yes, I'm here and I'm excited to be again online uh, this week. Yes, and I know that you'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. So I want to hear what certification we're going to look at today. And also have to keep reminding people, build is coming up. Lots of good ways for you to take this information and apply it to practice. So. Tell us what we'll learn about today. So in the last episodes, we basically went through all the different certification paths. We talked about how to prepare for certifications, how to actually like how to can actually learn and study for and gave some tips mm -hmm. and also explained how you can take a certification exam even online. And last week, we actually went through the AC 104 uh, exam, which was the Microsoft Certified Azure Administrator. Now, of course, we also have a large crowd of Azure developers. So this week, we're going to have a look at the Microsoft Certified Azure Developer. And that you can actually achieve with one of our, with one exam, passing one exam, which is the AC204 exam. And if we could have a look um, what it actually shows, uh, we can dive into that. Awesome. So here we have the AC204 Developing Solutions for Microsoft Azure exam. This is the exam you need to take if you want to become a Microsoft Certified Azure developer, right? And so it directly explains a little bit uh, about the different skills you need to have and who you actually should take this exam. Uh, because there are many different options depending on your job role or the job role you want to have in your future, uh, mm -hmm. like different uh, exams available. So if you're more into data science and AI, we also have certifications and exams for this as well. Awesome. I had a question for you. It mentions here you should have the ability to program in a language supported by Azure, but the exam itself, does it look for language-specific expertise or just kind of like how you would use those SDKs? Yes. So it's not necessarily language-specific because, again, Azure needs to have a lot of different uh, or supports a lot of different languages. Uh -huh. um, and 
of course, you have some questions around different parts, but it's not that you need to be like a .NET developer because that's from Microsoft, right? Uh, yeah. It's really an open platform. And we will ask absolutely different questions there. Awesome. We have a lot of SDK, so I can't wait to see. So we're going to look at the skills, I'm assuming, what we need to cover for this exam. Yes, absolutely. So let's have a look at what you actually need to learn and what you, skills you need to have uh, directly here on the page. Um, so we will see here that if you scroll down all the way on this web page, you can see we have a short list of skills measured, right? So you can actually see uh, that we're looking into, for example, develop Azure compute solutions, uh, develop for Azure storage, implement Azure security, monitor and troubleshoot Azure solutions, as well as uh, connect and consume Azure services and third-party services. So bringing all these skills together is a very important part of, of this exam. And you can imagine that every question in this exam is tied to one of these topics. Yeah, and when we're thinking of stuff like compute, it's not just VMs. It's going to go beyond that to all the other compute solutions we have, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Nitya. So if you even have a look at the uh, skills outline here, uh, this is basically the doc we have where you get some more details on it, right? Every exam has this, so you can see not just on a high level what it is, you actually can see what this means. And so this means not just, as you can see here, it obviously means virtual machines, but also containers and how you deal with the container images and stuff like that. So uh, again, a lot of interesting things. It also includes functions and web apps and all that. So um, yeah, not just uh, virtual machines. <laughs> I was like, web apps are just showing up everywhere. It's almost like they're all tied together. This is amazing. So the next question anyone's going to ask is, how do I get ready for this? Are there resources I can use? Where do I go if I want to get started? Of course. So as always, I show you the exam uh, page. And if you scroll even further down, you can actually see we already give you a couple of hints where you can find more uh, content and more learning experience. And obviously, in today's climate, and obviously also other times, you probably want to learn online. So we provide you a lot of different learning paths and, and modules on Microsoft Learn, and we even select the ones which are actually uh, available in this in this exam. Awesome. Um, and I think we should bring back Frank to find out. He's a developer. I wonder if he took this certification. What do you say, Frank? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did notice it had serverless applications, so I'm sure you've done that learning path. There, yeah, like I do a lot of learning path. I like the learning module and learning path, the weight structure. I feel it very clear. But uh, now let's talk because I'm not wearing that flashy T-shirt for the thing. Let's bring the Visual Studio tips and trick with Mads because, come on, what do you think of my T-shirt? It's cool, right? I love it. I want one. I don't know where you got it, but I want one. It's very flashy. I feel very uncomfortable here in my office. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I won't be hit by a car, but there's no car in my office. I'm safe, but, you know. <laughs> well, maybe there's a car coming in through my garage door, though. So, uh, I, you know, it could be a tricky thing for me. What do you have for us today? Let's just dive right into the first tip. One of my favorite things, which is how to manage tool windows in Visual Studio. So That's I got some tool windows. Different tool windows place different places, no matter, uh, depending on what workload I do. Do I write extension development, for instance? Then I have a known moniker explorer. I have my arrow list visible. Um, that's different from when I do web development, for instance. So if I do web development, I want a tool window called Task Runner Explorer to always be visible, like this. And then I don't need my other tool window from before, the one called known moniker explorer. So I'm going to close that off. 
And I want to make sure Solution Explorer is sort of the active one like this. I can now save this layout, give it any name I want. And so I can always go back to this when I do web development. So let's change back to my default one, which kind of hides everything but Solution Explorer like this. And I can now select my web development layout. And just a click of a button, boom, super fast. Everything is there. So this is super cool for when I want to do web development versus extension development. But also, if I go from just working on my laptop to plug into my docking station, and all of a sudden I have multiple windows, or sorry, uh, monitors, and I can like optimize that real estate using that this uh, little tick uh, tip here. So. Uh, what do you that's think? Cool. I didn't think about that, but it's true. Like when I'm on the road, like I could mm -hmm. have a different setup. That's that's awesome. Yeah, what else? <laughs> well, the next thing we're going to look at solution filters. So I'm going to open a uh, solution here. It's a large solution um, and it has a lot of projects in it. Actually, maybe not for this particular case, but you probably have a large solution. I can open it without loading any of the projects and then right click the project I want to load and say, load this project with its dependencies only. So it's other project dependencies. I can then hide every other project in the solution. And that gives me sort of this tight, narrow view of just what I want to work with. And I can now debug, build, you know, compile, test, and everything like that. I can right click the solution and say, save a solution filter. And this is going to save a file on disk next to my solution file. Uh, but it's going to use a file extension called .slnf. The F is for filter. So now if I close the solution here and open my solution filter, we can see that it only opens that subset of projects and it loads extremely fast. Other team members can use the same filter and we can now have this uh, sort of split between maybe backend team and a frontend team all working on the same solution, but tailored to the individual scenario. Really cool. Like I, I, I had no idea of that feature. That's really nice. Yeah. So you get a lot of performance benefit, but you also get sort of that scoping just to your needs. Pretty cool. Okay. Uh, you mentioned three tips. Let's go for the last one. Then. Let's go for the last one. It's about theming. And we know people love to customize Visual Studio. Oh, yeah. And I've installed a bunch of themes here. And so I want to show you a couple of my favorites here. Uh, so this is Solarized. It, you know, it colorizes the everything in the IDE, the menus, but also the editor. And so let me show you one dark pro. I really like the way that the, the editor colors look in this particular theme. And I have a theme here that I use when it's uh, when I'm in the dark, like at night or whatever. I like the pine gap dark. Um, it's just very pleasant for me to look at. And the way you get all these different themes is that you go to the extension manager or the manage extensions command here which opens the dialog. You can expand the Visual Studio Marketplace node, go to Tools, and select the Themes category. Now, in here, you have a bunch of themes to select. Try them out. See what uh, suits you the best, uh, which one you prefer. And uh, you got that nice, customized Visual Studio that you probably want. This is. Marvelous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know from other IDs, right, there's so many. Uh, themes that people love. And a lot of them actually exist for Visual Studio as well. But a lot of people just don't know that. Uh, but they're there and ready for you to use. Well, I'll put the, the link for the show notes if people want to see more of your Visual Studio tips and tricks. Let's bring Nitzia because I'm curious. Nitzia, I know you installed last week after Matt's segment Visual Studio on your Mac because Visual Studio is available on Mac. Yes. So, those teams, they are available. Like there's teams on, on Mac too, right? 
Yes, teams on Mac too, and we can use them. But you know what? Every time I watch Mads, I'm like, oh my God, the productivity of this. Today, I'm actually fascinated with solution filters. So I'm going to go check those out now because that could be such a great way to do demos, don't you think? Like I just keep the solutions for what I want. It would be very cool. You're always about visuals, and it's yeah. good because now it's time for ABC with Unitya. Everything about Sketchnote. Yes. So I have three special things that are going to happen today. So I'm super excited. For those of you who don't know the segment, it's really about bringing visual storytelling to tech. So I want to start first by saying if you've not watched the segment before, I'm just launching the site today. Check out the show notes. There will be a website that has. All the past clues, I'll be releasing one a day just to space them out. You'll kind of get a behind the look, uh, behind the scenes look at how I crafted the clue and resources to help you find out more about what we sketched. Oh, this is awesome. I like behind the scenes. Yes, yes, yes. We should also put all the outtakes. That's another thing. <laughs> uh, the second thing, and if we show the visual, I'll be super happy to talk about it, is this visual guide to Azure Data Factory. You're getting the first sneak peek. It hasn't even been released. So this is a 30-second uh, replay of the guide that I just built. It'll talk to you about Azure Data Factory. If you're wondering what Azure Data Factory is, Azure Data Factory is Microsoft's data integration solution for the cloud. And what you can do is you can learn about everything from how you can orchestrate uh, data movement, how you can operationalize your data-driven workflows, and then learn about the seven takeaways that you need if you want to go talk about this in your own office. But now, oh, someone's limbering up in Microsoft offices, I can see. Our champion is back for ABC, and he's got two new competitors, or is it three? Frank, you're playing too, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm very, right. very happy. Excited. OK, let's roll the first one. I'm adding a new category today. So this one is now you're going to try to guess the person. It's Let me. me <laughs> Not unless you know oh. Cobol, Frank. Read the letters. Cobol, Cobol. Is it so, Ada? Yeah, that's one of my favorite people. I will tell you that as I was drawing this, my partner said, is that Admiral a Admiral Grace Hopper. Yeah. Yes. I'll, uh, if I do people, this has to be the first one I do, obviously. Um, so super happy. You're already one up. Come on. No, oh, no. Yeah. Maz is just being nice. He, he knew it probably way before I did. <laughs> Well, at least I hope it was recognizable because I had issues with this at home. I will tell you this. So should we go on to do one more? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, let's All do right. it. Okay, so this one is a little more complicated, but I'll talk you through it. You have to guess the concept. And what I'm trying to show there is like a department store, right? So there's like Thanksgiving sale and suddenly they're like being overwhelmed and they need a way to make sure that they can put as many checkouts as they need horizontally or vertically what concept would we be talking about where we can dynamically allocate resources to match your performance requirements this should be easy i'm guessing auto scaling Woo! yeah thomas stop drinking coffee <laughs> <laughs> it's tea i i, <laughs> I, had I do feeling, but, well, you know. this one was too easy then okay we have time for one more there is someone drinking tea if you put the right one so maybe i was actually trying to set that up Oh, no, not this one. But this one was good. This is my favorite, OK? Because this is a concept that I have trouble understanding. So I came up with this really elaborate joke, and I hope you get it. So there is this guy on a, a psychiatrist's couch. He's saying, I don't know who I am anymore. I exist in multiple states. And the doctor says, well, when I observe you, you're only in one state. And the tagline is, being a qubit 
can be unpredictable. <laughs> Guesses? This should be quantum computing, right? <laughs> yes! Like, you see, when it when it goes into these complicated concepts, I'm I'm waking up. <laughs> or or Maz and I just decided to give you one because I think we both we both knew that one too. Oh, yeah. okay. oh my God. So I really <laughs> love this one because it made me kind of, and quantum computing is super hard, like in, in, in terms of understanding, like how you do computers around it. But um, Frank, I don't know if we have time for one more or should we kind of go to the next segment? What do you say? I think I think it's time to go in the chat because I have a question. I'm pretty sure chat was uh, chatty today. I have questions wow. for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. By the way, did anyone guess any of these right? I really want to know if anyone got quantum computing because. Uh, let me see. I don't see right now any uh, answer to uh, to this, but there's always a delay. So, you know, but so for a question I have, so I will start with a question for you, Nitsia, because, you know, like, we don't have a lot of questions for you. Uh, people are saying, like, how can I learn to sketch like this? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we actually put together an entire series of workshops. If you go to dev.to, and we'll put the link in the notes later, dev.to slash t slash visualize it. There are six workshops, all three. We did them with the Microsoft Reactor. Two-hour workshops split into segments. Uh, you'll walk through various ways which you kind of learn different things. Bottom line, though, it's not about sketching. It's about practice. Take your pen and paper, write notes, doodle all the time. You'll get there. But I'll put links in the notes. Yeah, we'll update every everything. Since those are live, we'll update the notes after. So next question is for Mads and Visual Studio. So someone say, like, I'm new to C++. Should I consider being using Visual Studio? Uh, yes. I think uh, this is a, always a kind of an interesting question. The cool thing about Visual Studio that's going to help new users is that you have everything you need in the box. You don't have to... Uh, install various different components and kind of set up all the different puzzle pieces to be able to compile and run your app. It's all kind of contained within Visual Studio. So uh, I think from a learning path perspective, it's a great way to start. Excellent. Thank you. And I, I agree with you. I would say like Visual Studio to do C++, Visual Studio is a definitely a very comfortable place to code. Definitely. There's a lot of tooling over there to uh, to help you. And just like you said, it's like, Everything is there, one box. Uh, last question, let me scroll. Yeah, it was for, was for Thomas. So was, which certification is the best <laughs> for developer? So I know it depends, but can you expand a little bit? I hope for like, I think everyone in this chat can actually answer it right now. But uh, if you're a developer, you're working with compute solutions, if you're working with PaaS, serverless, containers, all of that great stuff, um, databases and so on, definitely go with the Microsoft Certified Azure Developer, the AC200 for exam. That is a great place to start. If you're more into AI and other topics like data science and stuff like that, and you consider yourself still a developer, um, we also have exams for these specific topics. But again, you can always learn more on microsoft.com slash learn. Excellent. Thank you for your answer. And now, Nitya. Yes, so I think we're about to wrap up. Um, I have one thing we're gonna talk about what's coming up next, mm -hmm. right? Um, so right after this, stick around on Learn TV for Azure Fun Bites with Jay uh, Gordon. And why I'm super excited about it is you might have seen the Visual Guide to Azure Data Factory. 
Well, we have the PM from the Azure Data Factory team coming to talk to Jay about what's new with their product. So stick around for Azure Fun Bites. And I think if we have a little more time, we can talk about other stuff. Anything else that you want to do? Call to actions? I have Pardon? something. Yeah, go. Yeah, so so I, if people don't know, uh, Microsoft Build Conference is coming up in, in a couple of weeks, right? So please, please, please go ahead and sign up. The session catalog is now live, so you can take I uh, can take a look at all the different sessions that are going on. We have some great content from you know folks all across Microsoft talking about great things that we're doing in Azure, Visual Studio, Power Platform, Teams, all that sort of great stuff. So take advantage of the opportunity to learn some fun new stuff. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Take go and register. It's free. So registration free. has been already open, but now yeah. what's new is now the session. So you could start building your own schedule, correct? That's correct. The session builder is now live, which means that you can see all the time slots and all the different sessions that are going on across all the different um, practices, right? So whether it's Azure or development or Teams or what have you, right? So yeah, please take a look at the session builder and fill out your calendar and enjoy it. Enjoy build. I thank you for that last comment. So see you everybody next week. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.